0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Tech in Shanghai podcast. My guest today is Rina Yostin rabu I recently spoke with uh, Rina at their offices at SeedLink. She is one of the co-founders of SeedLink. Um, And SeedLink is a very interesting company that works with larger organizations um, and basically helps them uh, hire more effectively and manage their HR uh, more effectively. And they do that using uh, the latest in AI and machine learning. Um, it's fairly complicated and I don't want to waste too much time in the intro. So I'm going to leave it to the, the content of the show to, uh, for you guys to get a better understanding and for Rena to explain how exactly that works. But I just want to say I found this discussion hugely interesting. And then subsequent to the conversation, my mind was just racing about all the different applications for this type of technology. But in particular, what they're doing seems like um, it is really bringing value to the companies they're working with. It is really leveling the playing field um, with regards to when, you know, when applicants are applying for positions at different companies, removing the kind of bias, the human bias in the interview process, and also the bias of where you're from, um, what school you went to, age, gender, all that kind of stuff that, you know, oftentimes weasels its way into the hiring process. So, just a very very cool technology that seems to be resulting in uh, in better hires and you know allowing companies to more effectively fill positions but also more effectively hire people that are going to amplify their existing culture which is what w- what so many companies these days want so very very interesting discussion there's something in here for everyone you know about the technology about the ups and downs of startup life so i highly recommend you check it out with that said let's get on to the show Welcome to the Tech in Shanghai podcast, the pearl of the Orient. Shanghai is the city of the future. All systems go full steam ahead. It never stops. Technology, innovation, ambition, it's everywhere. Join us as we explore this new world and talk to the people making it happen. The Tech in Shanghai podcast, the future is now. The mics are hot. Rena, thank you for joining me.
1: I'm very happy to be here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm here in your offices today. So, um, first of all, thank you because I know this came together in like 24 hours. I know you're a bit under the weather, but uh, I saw one of your colleagues, Lynn, at SproutWorks yesterday. I was all sweaty and gross from a workout, and uh, we got to talking. And then she brought up SeedLink and thought, "Hey, would it be interesting to you know speak with one of our founders?" And I said, "Yeah, send me some information, and I'll let you know." And I checked it out, and I had come across, I think, Robin's Path a number of years ago at where China Accelerator was on Camping or Champing, one of yeah. the the, the yes. people squared spaces. I yeah, think. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but that was it. I never knew anything about it. And then when I looked into it a bit, I was like…
1: I met this guy before. Yeah, yeah. And I've
0: seen this company before, but I didn't know what it did. And then I looked into what you guys do, and then I became extremely excited. And so when Lynn said, like, maybe Rena can do it, maybe she can't, we'll let you know tomorrow, I was like… Fingers crossed that you can do it. So, thank you very much for joining me. Um, why don't you just start by introducing yourself? You know, very shortly, and then tell us about what Seedlink does. Because, and then we'll just dive right in. I have lots of questions.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Um, it's good that you came across uh, Robin. Um, what is the best way to introduce myself? I think. Um, You've seen my TED talk, right? Yeah. And so I think well that, done, know, maybe, maybe Enjoy that it. is, a, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a hell of a, a, a ride, but a very interesting ride. Um, but I think that introduction, the way I started that TED talk was, was basically, um, one of the things that, that this is the reason that I get up every day to, uh-huh. to build this company together with a really nice group of people. Um, and the introduction was about, you know, I I tell this story about um, you know, fresh from um graduation right. uh from the rainy day job. The rainy day job application. <laughs> and at that time in two thousand one, um I don't know if you remember, but it was actually just the moment when the first internet well the, the internet bubble bursted. Right. And so there were um you know, I was a fresh graduate and I was hoping for it to find a nice job and at that time it was still very popular to find jobs in multinational companies I think a bit different today when when young people are actually going after startups which is great I think uh, but at that time so I went for 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 these job applications and I was I think in my eighth round with a fast-moving consumer goods company and I was meeting this psychologist Um And basically the whole conversation became a big failure. And sometimes you know that you're in the wrong street in a, you know, in, in, in a conversation, Uh. but I was not able to really turn it around. And I said to the guy, you know, I feel that I'm totally us giving you the wrong answers. And he said, yes, you are. And we're actually not going to hire you. And, and, you know, 10 minutes later, I was back on the street. And basically, <laughs> feeling the,
0: great, I'm sure. feeling
1: great. <laughs> well, I was literally crying. I, rem, I remember that. I was literally crying because I put so much effort in this and I really wanted that job. Yeah. And um, I came from a total different background, you know. So I graduated. I, I studied um, genetical diseases in kids, huh. but I wanted to move into business and I, I thought I would love that. Yeah. Um, and so it was super hard to get that message across because I basically didn't fit in from a CV perspective, from a background perspective. And I think if you look at the work that we are doing today at SeedLink is one of those reasons why we built this company is that we usually look at people from, if you look at a CV, you know, and what people have done, but it doesn't tell me much about you, right? right. What are your drivers? What are you great at? Yeah. What What are your motivations? And so often we overlook people, uh, simply because there is no reference point. So how can we actually use technology to help get those insights in who you are, what you would be great at to help us make better matches? And that, I mean, that is the reason why I get excited every morning because there is now new technology out there that can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and, that's, and this is that's why, me. You know,
0: this is why I was extremely excited to speak with you. <laughs> Um, but so that, w- I understand you've been in kind of eight, you have a lot of experience in HR, right? You previously were an entrepreneur in that
1: area, industry, yes. right?
0: And you did it, I guess, the old fashioned way to a certain degree. You weren't using machine learning yes. in, in that process. So can you just summarize what SeedLink does and then we'll get into the how and the why and the, yeah, the of details. course.
1: Well, what SeedLink does is we build Um, very complex algorithms. Um, But what these algorithms do is that we look into, they analyze your language. So the way you speak is unique. And the beauty of language is that it's subconsciously producing your brain. So what it means is that you're basically unaware of all this information that you're transmitting when you talk. Um, And even if you, we've all learned to behave in certain situations, um, even if we would kind of pretend to be somebody else, there are meta cues in your language that these algorithms that we build um, can actually pick up and give information about your personality types, uh, your preferences, and even your behaviors. Um, so what Seedling does, is it helps not only companies to first understand what they are actually, um, what their actual needs are, but also to identify. On a personal level, what you would be great at, and then match these two together.
0: Yeah, that is so awesome. Right? So it's, it's <laughs> Thank di- you. <laughs> it's difficult to to try to pick where to start. I think actually this conversation today is relevant because I just saw a piece of news. I think it was today or yesterday that uh, Facebook's in, Facebook in their AI department they were trying to get their two you know advanced AI to dialogue with each other. Right yes, and or to speak to each other in some way, and they ended up shutting it down because they i think found out that the AI were using um like a, a alternate language to communicate with each other that they couldn't understand, so it seemed like gibberish right in but they found like a syntax or some you know they you know i, I didn't i'm not in that I'm not that mm-hmm. kind of scientist, but anyways, the article was saying they realized that they were communicating in in a kind of a hidden way. And then they, so they shut it down.
1: Interesting. You know, I didn't read that yet. Yeah. Very, very interesting.
0: So um, there's so many components to this, but what I, I guess where we'll start, like what I love when I, when I first, you know, read about seed link was how, you know, I think machine learning and AI and stuff in general, is just going to create so much more efficiency in the way things are done. Right. And I think, one of the things I want to break into today is I think a lot of people, for, for a lot of people, AI is a big question mark. Mm. You know, they project to this 30 year AI and like, will they kill us or not? You know, but the space in between is very hard to grasp, you know, and, and perhaps a lot of people think AI, uh, think as, think of AI as human level intelligence. But really, there's, you know, in between that step, there's going to be so many applications of machine learning and AI where in fact, you know, it can do so much more than what a human will be able to do. So in your case, analyzing the use of language and picking up on certain cues and, and points and data and then correlating that to another set of data that dictates or, or indicates proficiency in something or attitude or personality or stuff like that. So with you guys, first of all, how did you collect a data set to correlate, you know, so for example, if you mm-hmm. were trying to hire me, put, put me through the system. And we have an interview, and then you analyze the way I speak and, and all of that data. Where did the set of data come from to which you can then compare that to and say this person would be good for this, bad for that, good at this, bad for that, down this road, you know, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. So the the way we started is that we first work with the companies because, like you said, like in the end, it's about um, having a reference point. And so many companies actually talk about company culture. But if you talk about culture and you ask five people in the company to describe the culture, you get five different opinions. Right. So how do we actually make that more data driven? So the way we we let let's take the example of you applying for a job at Seedlink. Mm-hmm. What we've done here is to first actually analyze what does um, the company culture of Seedlink what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we actually collected answers to open-ended questions around behaviors that we think as SeedLink, are important to us mm-hmm. and basically ask the people that work in this company to answer these questions first. And so, once everyone has answered and we know who are, for example, champions in certain behaviors and maybe less champions because you have always a group of people, right, that mm-hmm. create a culture, then the deep learning algorithms can basically look for the similarities in language in, and that goes into right. a lot of yeah, layers. So the, the human component
0: is <coughs> identifying who are the people you kind of want to replicate in certain ways within the organization, right, after you've captured that.
1: Yeah, their behaviors right. at least, so not not the people itself. Sure, it's, it's sure, the, sure, Their behaviors. Yes,
0: and then using that as a as a guide as a basis when you're when you're analyzing potential hires.
1: Yeah, so it's actually a pyramid. So um, you have to imagine that there's a lot of information about language already available. Um, you know, if you look at documents sure. and, and and things that are out there, right, yeah. uh, and research that has been done. So. It's actually a pyramid on which we build and the top of that pyramid is actually to look really deep into the reference that you wanna make. So if I'm hiring for L'Oreal, you wanna look into what does what does what makes L'Oreal great? Mm-hmm. Which is different than when you would look into Unilever. Right. But usually what happens in reality is that they're all competing for their same people and actually trying to grasp people from their competitors right. in their recruitment process, yeah. which I really don't believe in. Mm-hmm. I think you have to understand first, what does, what does culture within a certain company mean? And for that, you need to study the people in that company first. Yeah. And that is really different if you look at the current assessment Um, centers that are out there because Mm -hmm. assessment tools now are usually standardized tests, which from, from a scientific point of view, you basically take a, yeah, you, you, you take a standard and from that you derive a conclusion, which doesn't mean anything. And, and, and you see it also in scientific research that the, the predictive value from job interviews, from CVs, um, from assessment centers is relatively low. Yeah to actual job performance. Sure.
0: I mean, well, the very word "stand" to, to be standardized means it has to be able to be applied to a large group, right? And what I guess you're looking for in certain cases with hiring is specificity, right? A certain type of person for a certain role, a certain skill set for a certain role. So yeah, I plus, can see why they wouldn't be very applicable.
1: Yeah. Plus, plus, I think to to add to that is is also about... You want to you want to kind of steer away from opinions. We often think that we know, but we actually don't know. And so, by by having computational linguistics to us as a as a as as a um, as a science, Mm -hmm. we can actually get to the subconscious level of what drives um, behaviors in people within a certain setting, whether we talk about teams, whether we talk about business units, companies, and you have to imagine once we've done that for many companies, you could also turn it around and make it about you as a person.
0: Right. Well, you mentioned that in your Ted talk, right? (laughs) Because you were saying how it's unavoidable, the bias in, you know, Old school hiring now, right? Where where even if it's a psychologist or if it's an yeah. HR person, you know they have all their their biases. Yeah. That as objective as they, I'm sure they try to be in most cases. They just can't. Sometimes you just can't fully separate the objectivities from the bias. Not to mention you can't behold at one time such a vast data set. And by that, I mean all the different variables that would indicate whether a person is likely to perform well in a role or not, right? It's just, there's so many of those variables that to consider them when you're sitting in front of them, speaking with them, I would imagine is very, very difficult, especially compared to a much more precise process, like what seedling seems to be developing, right?
1: Yeah. I think as humans, we're great at putting emotions to the table. So, I think if we look at um, research, I think people determine in 10 seconds whether they like somebody or not. Right. And if we look at the, how the brain works, it actually takes the next 60 minutes in a conversation to actually confirm that first 10 seconds. Yeah. And so... Well, we have
0: about 60 minutes here today, <laughs> so we'll figure that out.
1: I'll ask you at the end of the meeting. <laughs>
0: But so, you have to
1: imagine that we're in the passion room. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so when it comes down, just to put a capstone on that, <laughs> let's say you're working with – and actually L'Oreal was a case example used in a BBC uh, a piece done on seedling, yeah. right? And one of the things that was super interesting about that and really kind of makes it all this sink in is that previously, as, as we were just <laughs> discussing – You know, HR managers would only, you know, because there's so many people in China, they would just say, okay, we're only going to hire from these top schools, however many they are. And then we're only going to hire this, this, and then it would be kind of filtered out by necessity. And then they would, out of that, pick an interview and go through all the different steps. And then as through working with SeedLink, um, I think it was an app-based something as well. There may be a component of that where you can capture similar insights from the written word and things like that. But either way, the punchline was um, anyone basically could apply and then they could, you know, whether they're in Chongqing or, or wherever, and put put their information through, and then the technology, the algorithm, the the AI would basically determine who's best suited for the positions that they were looking to fill. And it ended up just obviously a much broader uh, pool from which to select, but also, you know, more fair, more equal. You didn't you don't have to have gone to the best school. It's you know purely based on. On on you on your your yeah, on your yeah, capabilities. On you and your capabilities and you, how well that matches to to the 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 positions they're looking to yeah. fill yeah super cool I mean like game changing cool
1: yeah no it's very and and that is what makes us happy because I think if you looked at the BBC item um we followed a girl called Laurel Laurel Sun mm-hmm. and and um It is interesting because this piece was done, I think, two years ago by the BBC, and and they followed her through this experience uh, that she had with the Seedlake digital interview and in the end, actually getting hired uh, by by L'Oreal. Now, um, three or four months ago, we uh, opened our first office outside of China. Uh, So we basically um, went to Amsterdam, where we opened our European headquarters. And to celebrate that with our key clients here, we organized a big event and we invited Laurel to come. And so the interesting bit with her is that she's still with L'Oreal. Uh-huh. She's one of the high performing candidates from her cohort. Yeah. Um, she was educated as a lawyer and she's now one of the high performing candidates or employees in e-commerce. So you see how I mean I, I had to remember my story in two thousand one. Yeah. And this is, a, and for me, a game changer because now actually people get hired without having the exact experience level. But definitely, you know, she she's one of these people that it changed her life, yeah. but she's also doing great at L'Oreal.
0: That's so cool. You know, because I don't care who you are at some point, and maybe even <clears throat> through many points in your life, we ask ourselves... What should I be doing? What am I good at? Like, where should I apply my efforts, right? Because it's not an obvious thing for most people. You know, they go through a certain system of education. They come out and they're kind of like, well, I guess I'll, I'm supposed to do what I decided to study. But when you made that decision to study that thing, you were 18 years old or something. Like, you could not have known what you, you know, a lot of people didn't know what they would be good at, what they wanted to do. And of course, we change throughout our lives and how that determines what we would be good at and if that changes but with something like this it basically you don't have to like you go through the process and i know you know i'm sure as time goes by and this develops it'll get more accurate and more precise but where it will tell you where is the best place to place your efforts and to develop and things like that and in a, in an era now where i think more and more people are realizing it's best to double down on your strengths and not try to balance out your weaknesses i mean it's it would be incredible to you know, not just for HR applications, but in many areas, just the, the the new, you know, Myers-Briggs or the new like things where it can actually tell you, you know, you have a 78% probability of really excelling in X role or industry or, or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, or project. Yeah. So it, cool. It's very, it's very interesting that you're pointing. I, I, what I, what I like to highlight is that often we think about, like you were saying about like Young people, right? You come from university, in, in, and often here in China, also yeah. we 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 are drawn in a certain direction by our by our, by by our parents, or yeah. you know. And what do we know actually, right? So we don't know, but it's it's the same. Being in your mid thirties or forties, a lot of people are sometimes also reconsidering what should I do sure. next. And interesting now is while we launched in Europe, you see, you see, for example, whole industries, like look at automotive, look at, um, banking. We all realize that banks won't exist anymore in the current state as we, as we currently know it. Now these banks, huge banks employ people and usually people over many, many years. Now imagine that your whole business is going to be disrupted. Mm -hmm. What do you do with all these people? How do you help them to find roles and positions where they actually can excel? How do you have that inside information? You don't. And so the things that we are working on in, in Europe is really about helping companies to understand not only from a hiring perspective, but just looking inside of organizations is to understand
0: how, to people around. how do you Make shuffle sure
1: people they're... around? How do you help them find their careers? If you look into huge organizations, often if you work in a certain business unit, in a certain vertical, in a certain job, mm. let's say I've been working in sales for all my life, how will I know that I will be great at finance? I'm just you know I'm just giving it, or or at uh, e-commerce. Yeah. We don't. So how do we actually? So, so this, these are projects that we're working on in yeah. Europe a lot with companies, not only looking in who should I hire for, but basically how do I help my internal organization to excel and make a transition?
0: Yeah. Makes, makes total sense too, especially in the environment we're going into where <coughs> disruption of various kinds will be taking on most entrenched industries, right? It doesn't matter how big or long standing they are. And like you said, what, a, what an incredible tool. Uh-huh whether it is the internal reshuffling or just a rapid reshuffling of some of your talent or a large part of your talent and making it more applicable for the changing environment that you're trying to operate in. Yeah. You know, because if you do it the old school HR way then it's just too slow and you'll probably die. But if you have this kind of help, um I have to but do you guys ever play with this, you know, like you do you know, your team members or stuff read a, you know, tell the algorithm about yourself and see what it spits out, you know, like is there ways yeah, to play I was with
1: totally those? disqualified now. <laughs>
0: you should not be doing a startup. <laughs>
1: exactly. should have been hired by that multinational. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to tell them. Um, yes, Clearly, there's something wrong with this <laughs> AI. <laughs> No, of course. Yeah, we, we play, well, we, you know, you practice what you preach, right? Uh-huh. So first of all, it's about, um, we incorporate our own technology in our own hiring processes. Mm-hmm. And secondly, we do a lot of testing ourselves. So, um, and to also understand, because if you look at a, a scale up environment that we are in, it's often what we are looking for is not per se the job that somebody will be great at, but it's much more about, is this person going to fit within this company culture? Mm-hmm. Can it help to grow this company uh, globally? And so for us, it was really important to understand what are these drivers mm-hmm. that really matter to this company, to our company? And then basically, once people fit in, then we will find the best role. And that's often still something that we we figure out along the way. Right. Um, is that s-
0: something that the companies you work with is that the process they want to do too like culture first and then competency is that
1: yeah we usually start with um it it depends yeah some some companies we start with understanding what is what are the cultural values Mm. and make sure that everyone that they hire no matter for what position or which business unit um it is about that and then we dive deeper because you can understand that uh, behaviors that drive success in finance or in e-commerce differ from each other. Mm -hmm. So we do, um, recommend companies to, once you have a generic framework to really dive into the different behaviors that drive success in different jobs or roles in an organization.
0: Right. So when you first start working with a company, Is it just like a huge (coughs) data collection task first? I mean, do you have to get their top performers, their lower performers? Because I I assume for this type of technology that you're employing to be effective, the larger the data set, the better, right? The more precise choices or decisions it's able to make or suggestions it's able to make. So, you know, kind of to... Do you, when you start working with l'Oreal let's say in that example that we used before do you have to just spend a lot of time collecting data before you do any extraction you know and yeah hire?
1: yeah well we do do both things so um, if companies really which we would recommend if you want to understand your own organization first you have to analyze and you have to do data collection within your own company yeah. so usually we start off with a specific BU, for example, and a specific role, and then we scale out. Um, So that would mean that we have to interview and collect language data samples from uh, that specific business unit for that specific role, for example. Um, And that's what we do as an exercise with this company. Um, And once we have that data, we can actually combine data sets that we have on top of Um, the data that we collected within this company. Now, you can imagine that for smaller companies, sometimes that's not worth the effort or they don't have enough people um, to basically build a statistical model on. Um, So what we've done for those companies is that we've built, I would say, standard predictive model, or let's not use the word standard use, um, like off the shelf predictive Mm -hmm. models where, um, for example, for sales roles, we've studied so many people in sales roles that we've created a predictive model to identify whether somebody would be, or is most likely to be a high performer in sales. Um, we do the same for young professionals. So for example, a lot of companies run campus recruitment campaigns. They can basically use these off the shelves without actually deep diving in their own company.
0: Yeah. Now, I imagine when you're working with a client, you know, it's not just to sign them up and, and extract the data. I imagine you're doing both simultaneously ongoing for the duration of the relationship, right? Yep. So you're always collecting more data from them. You're obviously assisting them in them making their hires. They feed back data from that Back in and over time, it becomes more precise and more efficient. Is that kind of the idea?
1: Yeah. So it's that is the machine learning aspect. Right. So you have to imagine that we follow candidates um, along their journey in the company. So that means so they have to
0: keep retesting. Like it, instead of their performance review after a year, do they do the seedling performance? Well, review we do. Again, we, we do
1: both. So we, we, what we would do is um, we collect again language data uh-huh. um, from from a sp- from that specific group. Then the group needs to be doesn't need to be that high anymore, like that many people um, and we also collect the performance data so how are these people actually performing over time mm-hmm. and so let's assume that we um, re- the algorithms recommended a candidate and then over time he doesn't perform well let's let's um, let's take that error rate yeah. <laughs> um, then we would like to know that so that we can adjust uh or not we but the algorithms uh, and the machine can adjust mm-hmm. uh, the predictive model based on that feedback.
0: What are the ethical implications of actually, you know, using this type of technology to actually do the things that we've been discussing? So for, like you just said, someone just is terrible. They got in the company somehow, but they're a low performer or maybe, maybe they're kind of mid to lower performer. So they haven't popped up on the radar as being really terrible, but the A, you know, the the system, the the algorithm that you guys have, or the service that you provide, sorry, um, basically says this person's got to go. Like no cultural fit, you know, performance is not likely to improve. You know, how do the companies and then also the employees kind of respond to knowing that their as in the employee in the employee's case their fate, and the in the company's case, you know, their part of their decision making is directed by a computer, you know, yeah. basically.
1: Yeah, that's a new, new situation, right? right. Because now that is, I, I always, there's two answers to this. So the, the first one is that this is a new situation. So we have to see how that's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean with that is of course that there might be challenges against machines. Um, but I, I always say that it's the humans that take a decision. Uh, so it's not a machine. The machine right. is just giving you insights giving insight, yeah. with, with, and, and you get many insights from different angles, mm-hmm. which, with what you need to deal, we just, you know, our, our promise is that this information is different than you would get when you only use a human brain to look at certain things or to yeah. read certain things. Um, the second answer that I have to that is, um, we have to keep in mind that we want to help people. Mm-hmm. So that means that let's assume that you are working for this bank mm-hmm. and you've been working for this bank for 20 years in the same role. Somehow, often what happens when people um, are told or are given certain insights is that they they know, they know themselves. Right. I don't know, sometimes we we already know intuitively that we might be in the wrong situation yeah. or the wrong position, but it often takes a lot of, um, guts to change it unless we're forced to change, right? Um, that's how humans work. So I think what we have in mind is to say, let's help give people insights, not only where they don't fit, but basically where they would fit so that we help them on a better trajectory that they probably already intuitively would feel yeah. that they should be on. That, 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 that is, is so cool. that is my, that, that would be the vision I think to, well, to yeah, get to. I, mean,
0: I didn't even think of that, but how amazing would it be if, if, you know, your company basically said, <clears throat> you know, blah, 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 it's not working out. However, you know, because we're working with Seedlink link or, or what have you, um, we've determined that you'd be really great at X position and X company is looking for X position And, you know, and we've shared the data and and we've set up an interview for you or something like that, where it's, it just becomes way more fluid and seamless, right? Like you, you get informed that this isn't working out, but instead of the company just saying, okay, goodbye, you know, take care of yourself and figure it out saying maybe setting up the very next thing you know, to ease that transition and the stress and the, all that kind of stuff
1: is so cool. Yeah. And it's already happening. So <laughs> really? it's already, yeah. I, if you look in, in, in Europe, you see already, even on governmental level, you see that governments realize that, um, especially for example, in countries where they heavily depend on a certain industry, that's going to be disrupted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know now you're an employee of a company, so the company is responsible. but once you are not anymore part of that company, you become uh it's 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 part of the challenge of a government because we have to make sure that we employ people right so I think employability and helping people to either transition into this new era where you have more digital products mm. digital uh business models um and to help identify where me as a person, where I can learn, uh, where, you know, where I would be great at, that is what we are, that's already happening. And even, even, uh, industries are, are trying to do this, yeah. but they don't have the tools and the methodologies yet to do so. So that's where we're, we're coming in to help them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just, it seems like such a great solution, you know, just take, again, one of the things I think is is obvious that machine learning and AI will help us do is just Reduce inefficiency of various kinds and various forms, right? And in this case, reduce the inefficiency of a time gap between being fired and finding a new job and reduce the inefficiency of taking years to discover what you're actually good at and how to apply your unique talents and skills and personalities. Like, just reducing all that inefficiency so it can be so much more fluid, right? Yeah. Like, okay, this didn't work, but, but this is ready and try that and you plug in there and, you know, and ultimately, Hopefully acting in a similar way to machine learning, whereby you can more quickly, you know, in your career, find what you're really, really good at or what you really, really enjoy, you know, yeah, or to, or to time. prove
1: it to somebody, because that's often also, okay, if you go back to 2001 when I applied for that job, right. there was nothing. Well, I could give some examples of stuff that I, that I had done outside of my study, mm. but. It's often very difficult to give the other person – I mean, look at HR in general. Like We we all heavily depend on all these tooling because we want to reduce the risk of hiring somebody that doesn't fit and leaves again. Um, And so I I think –
0: And how much money and resources is wasted on that globally every year – for wrong hire or for for hires that don't end up working out and the training and the HR cost I mean, it must be huge.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit because this is a question I wanted to ask. Um, What is AI versus just a computer that can run good statistical models? Like why, why do we call it machine learning versus just AI? you know, a machine that can look at data sets and give you insights. What's the distinction?
1: Well, I'm not a computer scientist, Mm -hmm. but to, to put it simply, and it's good that you raised the question because, um, currently AI is a new buzzword. I think in the, in, in the past it was big data and now every company calls itself AI. But in my opinion, what, what they call AI now for me is still big data. So they, they basically run, um, statistical analysis to see if there are certain correlations between data sets. So, okay, we've seen that for a certain job, we had a lot of hires from this and this background. So let's look for these people in these and these backgrounds. Yeah. That's what we call AI now, uh, but it's not. It's, it's a big data play. Mm-hmm. To me, it's really about, um, I, I mean, if you would talk to Simon, who is our, um, CTO, at some point, and that, that is sometimes the machine learns certain things that we don't even, even the programmers don't know, right? What the machine will decide mm-hmm. based, based on, on the learning process. Yeah. I think the big distinction that I like to make on, on the work that we do is that we really look into computational linguistics. So we, we are not taking, um, we're not taking hard data sets purely what I was just saying, a CV correlating to a job, mm-hmm. we're actually taking language data of people mm-hmm. and getting to a subconscious level of information. Th- that's where we want to build a machine on, and it's not—it's like basically building a machine on a machine on a machine. So right. it's 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 that complicated. Yeah. But that that is where the the difference is, and, and deep learning, to me, in my opinion, means that there is various levels. Um, of correlations that you find along certain words, for example. Mm -hmm. So if I would say something like, um, I love you very much, we're still in the passion room, (laughs) Um, and I would take the word love, then if you go one level deeper, you could say like Mm -hmm. or um, family, Mm -hmm. both relate to love. So that's one layer. Now I take one layer deeper and I go to like could be preference or I take This family member and I say husband or wife. Mm -hmm. So deep learning is really like multiple levels of words, sentence structures that relate to one another. Right. So you have to imagine that we built this huge word map that can create these, um, um, distinctions and, and relations amongst each other to get to a certain output.
0: Right. And then it gets better at that by comparing the process is already running with results it gets right. And it just kind of keeps doing that and doing that and doing that. And that's how it develops further.
1: Yeah. So that is, that is, I think the machine learning aspect of right. it. So it, it means that the machine learns over time from information that is collected. So you have to imagine that, you know, if I have only my brain, I can only have a certain set of information in my brain, Right. but now I have multiple brains that I combine to hold that information and to learn from it. Uh-huh. And so you can imagine that then you have multiple data sets, right? Because yeah. I'm combining all these brains together mm-hmm. and I'm continuously updating all these brains by, because it's continuously learning based on, for example, the hiring information, the performance data, uh, the new people that you're hiring for. Yeah. And so that's all put back in that brain and across multiple organizations, across multiple teams, across the globe, mm-hmm. Was, so that's that's why this brain is so much faster and yeah, can give you so much more information.
0: Sure. I was listening to the CEO of DeepMind talk about AlphaGo and all that kind of stuff, and he was basically saying, you know, to in very simplistic terms, how they got AlphaGo ready was he they had them analyze a hundred thousand games played by advanced amateurs, but not grandmasters or anything like that. And after they analyzed those hundred thousand games, then they had the machine play itself 30 million times. And of course, you know, which is impossible for humans to do, right? But it does that 30 million, you know, every time I guess it extracts a fraction of an insight, a fraction of insight until it gets better and gets better and gets better and gets better. And then obviously we know the result. But have you guys experienced, like, do you guys come to what you've built and think, like, does it develop on its own or faster than sometimes you anticipate, you know, do you know what I mean? Like you come and sit down at the computer some days or, or you see a result after you've, you know, you've begun working with a client and kind of sit back and be like, holy shit. Like we didn't expect that. Do you have any of those moments at this stage? Or do you kind of know the kind of insights it's going to spit out for you?
1: Uh, no, we, we never know what the outcome looks like. Mm -hmm. So, um, So what you would see is that if you, um, what, what happens in reality is that again, sometimes we think, um, that based on the current set of competencies, somebody, let's say, in my opinion, performs well, Mm -hmm. but actually if the machine would analyze this person compared to what leads to success in that particular group, Mm -hmm. the machine might actually, see something different. And that happens. So we do see these kind of outcomes with clients and that, and that is always a insight that they don't have today. And that is always reason for conversation because what happens in reality is sometimes managers are more forgiving. Um, sometimes the manager actually matters and some managers lead to high performing teams over others. Um, sometimes we do see that talent has being overlooked within an organization so the machine can actually pick that up and give that information yeah. and of course there's still if you look at a norm, normal curve in, in you know a standardized uh, deviation you always will see people th- where the machine and the human observation are are the same sure um, but these outliers as I would call them positively and negatively yeah. Um, those are insights that organizations are very interested in because Mm -hmm. that is where the machine matters. That's where the machine can actually add information.
0: But on on the machine level, right, when we talk about machine learning and stuff, as far as my understanding goes, that may not always have set or established speed or growth parameters, right? You tell the machine what you want it to learn and it, you know, Kind of runs the data back and forth and back and forth and, and learns it. So I guess, you know, and when we speak about AI and deep learning and stuff, there's always, you know, a lot of people will reference, you know, it, it developed a lot faster than we thought or it like learned, it extracted enzymes faster than we thought. Is that something you see happening at this stage with, with what you guys have developed or is it kind of still within more controllable parameters? Do you know what I mean?
1: yeah I know what you mean um but i don't know how to answer the question, so that's something that we like have to... like is it to, learning
0: faster than than a human would no no then you
1: then we then you have
0: yeah than you have anticipated or built it to do or
1: well it it gives you insights right away right so it's 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 super fast and i you know i i always look so if you look for the technical question to that, that's something that we have to cross-check with Simon, right? right. Um, because I, I I wouldn't feel comfortable answering sure, that sure, question. Sure. Um, but I always look from a perspective of a client, and if I if I look at that that angle, then having insights within an hour, yeah, once I've built a model, versus you know doing days or even months of work yeah. that, that, you know, that's the angle I look at it yeah, from. And it's um,
0: extremely powerful. I'm sure. And, and but you know, if
1: you, if you look at the answer, of, is it learning faster than we as developers anticipated? That's yeah, something we, that we yes, have to it. ask. I,
0: I only ask because I, prior to, you know, to this chat, I, I looked at a, a case study or a video where basically some, and I'm not a physicist, obviously, <laughs> but the, uh, they, a theorized, uh, condensate was so the Bose Einstein condensate was this theorized substance that's the closest to absolute zero of anything ever right so super 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 yep. cold and you and and some physicists won the Nobel Prize in 2001 for having uh, created it with lasers right after many many years of work and a university in, in Australia I believe um ran the or put the materials that were required to run this experiment in the helm in the hands of, of a, you know a computer learning or ai sort of program and they came up with the same conclusion and the same result in 1 hour right from scratch which is just you know like it just blows the mind to think of all the different applications but we are tight on time so i'll just <laughs> put that out there and and we'll leave it but When you're you're doing the work that you're doing, is it hard to continue to focus on the relatively narrow stream of, you know, HR and hiring that I think you guys have primarily focused on? Because obviously, at least to my mind, there would seem to be a lot of applications for assessing verbal and written language and comparing that to ideal data sets to try to extract insights for whatever purpose. Is it like where are you guys heads at with that?
1: Well, the, the vision of the company is obviously broader than HR, but right. um, I think we would leave a lot of value on the table if we would divert that um, uh, right now. Yeah. But, but you never, again, you never know what's going to be more successful. So we, we just run experiments uh, and we run experiments in different Verticals. Uh-huh. Um, so you can imagine that, um, if you talk about healthcare, um, that you could also like, um, and you look at, um, um, certain treatment strategies. Um, sometimes it's very hard for, like in, in certain areas, 60% of patients actually leave their treatment strategy mm-hmm. with, which has huge impact for themselves. Yeah but also for um, the costs in society.
0: Yeah.
1: So what if we could actually predict that? And secondly, what if we could also help to understand how you could motivate mm-hmm. these patients mm-hmm. in a different way to actually take their treatment? Yeah. Just to give you an example, or if you look at um, the finance sector where we could, if you look at insurance in itself, underwriting is still very very much focus on very simple characteristics, the same almost as in HR, where we look at, you know, if I go online right now and I would get a car and I I need an insurance, like they basically look at my age when I got my driving license Mm -hmm. and in which street I live. Um, But who's the risk taker here? Mm -hmm. So risk behavior, if I look at my kids, I can definitely see differences amongst them, although they're genetically from the same, uh, right. parent, um, you see differences in how they behave. So risk behavior is also something that you can predict. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's endless, infinite application. Uh, yeah, you have infinite, right? if you look at consumer behavior, yeah. What if we could actually predict what you would need Yeah. rather than, I mean, if you still look at how Google works, it's still very simple in in that perspective. If you look at ads.
0: And like we talked about before, things are by and large standardized, (laughs) you know, and you go back to the medical thing we were talking about a little bit before the show. I mean, even something is, you know, if you get your blood work done, the range, you know, for let's say like liver health function tests or whatever is the same for you as it would be for an 80 year old. You know, like the, the, the range they give. And even though and, – and then your doctor will likely just look at it and say, oh, you're in the range. You're fine, right? It means you don't have a serious problem. But that doesn't mean no deficiency exists. That doesn't mean there's not a functional – there can't be functional improvement or there's a, there's a functional impairment in place. It's just – And lots of things go into this, but the punchline is, is that everything is so standardized and it, you know, it's so exciting to think how technologies like this will bring things down to a much more individual level. And, you know, people will have more specialized for themselves based on age, gender, race, all the different variables that make you unique and actually be able to construct solutions of various kinds, medical, professional, whatever, based on that.
1: Yeah, I think. I Super think, excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing to get back to the medical sector is that, um, and I think you actually work in this area is it, it's not only about, um, certain standardized tests. I think it's, we more and more realize that human behavior is very impactful if you look at treatment strategies. Right. So, um, you know, my, I got sick really, really, I, I got very sick last year. So I went through the whole medical circus here in China. And and in and in Europe actually, um, and and it's interesting because in the end, my doctor can prescribe whatever he wants, mm-hmm. but if I'm not behaving in a different way, it's not only it not only boils down to you know taking my medicine, but it's also about actually changing your lifestyle. Um, you know, you you will continue to actually uh, be sick, yep. and so behavioral sciences are more and more. Taking into the equations of different verticals um, and industries, yeah.
0: And like we were saying before the show, you know, maybe based on those behavioral <laughs> characteristics, maybe you are a better candidate for you know pharmaceutical type intervention because. You, you know, the program knows you're not going to adopt the different changes that you would need to make in your lifestyle to, to affect the change that you want. So maybe that selects you for a certain type of treatment. Whether if you're the type of person that will do that, then maybe your treatment changes, right? So just becomes, again, so much more specialized in,
1: more applicable to the individual. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, what are some of the, like, what kind of, how do companies you work with respond to working with Seedlink? Like, when you guys start working together and they start to produce results, are they like, holy shit, this is amazing. Or, you know, are there sticking points that, you know, they find hard to integrate or they don't like? What's been the response generally for you guys?
1: Well, the response has been very positive. Um, we, it also has to do with that we have a great engagement team, I have to say, because they are really working closely with our clients mm-hmm. to help them understand. Um, and I think that's often when we talk about new things as humans, and it's also a very natural response is something that is unknown. is always yeah. scary. Yeah. You know, that's why you see always about is a machine taking over. Right. Uh, you know, do we end up in these ak- 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 apocalypse kind of, uh, situations? And so with HR, it's not different, right? We have to deal with humans in the end. So, I basically think that the more technical solutions become, the more human we have to be as humans yeah. and as companies, and the more we're
0: freed up to be that way, right? Because we don't have to be as technical. So we can use more of our kind of emotional.
1: Yeah, we have to connect, and, we have to make yeah. sure that actually the people that we work with understand what we're doing. Um, and also understand how to deal with results, mm-hmm. uh, and how to interpret results. And that's takes a lot of, um, education. Mm -hmm. Um, we try to make it as simple as we can, because I think it's all about something can be very complex, but in the end, if I'm a user, I want to use it very in a simple way. Um, that's why it's so important to have people on board that actually come from the industry and understand how HR, um, and not only HR, but just users reason. Um, so I think, that's been that's been very very great, and at the same time, it's still about um, taking the leap. And what I what I mean with that is that you will still see that some companies are more open to experiment with uh, new technologies, uh, and others are following or even lagging behind. And I was referring to a Bain article that actually shows that people that actually take the leap that actually are front running companies, mm-hmm. they, they highly out- outperform laggards. So it's really, again, data speaks. So if, if, and I think that's, a, that's a great thing about AI now being a buzzword, but at mm-hmm. least, because at least you see in the whole HR space and beyond yeah. that AI is now something that no matter if you understand it or not, everyone wants to know about it at least. And becoming Um, probably
0: even imperative in some cases. Like, you know, I I don't know, I forget what the stat is, but something like, whether it's a five or 10-year period, but 40% of the Fortune 500 companies won't be around in in five to 10 years or something like that because of the degree of disruption that's going on and something can come up and just totally eat your lunch within like a five-year period, right? And, you know, I think... (laughs) I think uh, to your point, if you don't adapt, if you don't make those leaps of faith, try new things, then you've got no shot of, of staying around. But yeah, you- it's very
1: interesting. I'm laughing because I was invited uh, a couple of months ago by the chairman of PwC here in China. Uh-huh. And he asked me to talk about this technology. And there were 150 CEOs of multinational companies in the room. And I exactly referred to this quote that you were saying, like, you know, 30% of you here in the room will be out of job in at least ten years time because yeah. your company won't exist anymore. So it's either innovate or die. Yeah. And then the the whole room was like total silent for like two <laughs> minutes. And so, I, so it, it was this very awkward situation where actually people just realized, yeah, we have to do something, and yeah. it's and it's really about. And, and I, and, and that's really the reason why I went upstay on stage for this TED talk is I really believe that, um, and maybe that's something I learned along the way as an entrepreneur as well. Like try to experiment as much as you can, Mm -hmm. because if you don't try, you never know. Yeah. Right. And then experiment, create your own opinion and see for yourself how it works for you. Mm -hmm. And then judge.
0: Yeah. If you don't try, if you don't jump, jump then you just kind of slowly <laughs> die. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> In and and a lot cases. of
1: companies, I mean, we work with many companies and many of these companies have values that say something around innovation. Right. But if you get to the core of it, it's really about not only about innovation, but it's also, I always tell clients, let's run this as an experiment. Yeah. An experiment can also fail, but that's fine too. Yeah.
0: You get something from it, nonetheless. Because we will learn from it yeah.
1: together, yeah. Um, and so whatever it means, is just do it, mm-hmm. um, and and then you'll see.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, getting close <laughs> to the end now. I know you've you've got many other obligations. Um, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, funny questions, or not all funny, but some standard questions I like to ask guests of the show. But just before I do that. Where is SeedLink now? You know, are you guys kind of just rapidly expanding? People are responding really well. Your sales team is, you know, super busy. Where are you guys at? And have you raised, you know, money? Like kind of what stage in the growth cycle or development <coughs> cycle are you? And what's in the next two or three years for you guys?
1: Well, we are now at a very exciting stage because we're really scaling quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... Um, we're taking the company global. So that means also that we're expanding outside of China. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very exciting to open our new office. Mm-hmm. So we're now having a group of really good people there that are not only, um, and, and that makes me excited too, because I'm so your, Euro- I'm okay. Well, um, <laughs> not per se that, but what I do like about it is that, um, often when I speak in Europe, um, about China, mm. the general opinion about China is still that it 's the copycat of the world right. and and to really? me still yes, wow. and I think it 's super excited to see that if you look at the media attention that our company got, I was extremely surprised by that when we basically said a Chinese company um, basically run by a group of uh, international people, mm-hmm. including Chinese. Mm-hmm. Is taking this company to Europe from China, and so that is news in Europe, um, and and that's interesting to me because it's it's actually disrupting this idea about China being a copycat. If you look at artificial intelligence, virtual reality, yeah. I think I recently read in the Economist that one third of that global market space is actually here, and not only in applications where you would think of first is like gaming, but mm-hmm. basically across. across verticals. So it's super exciting. Um,
0: I think that kind of, sorry, I think that kind of those stats and things are starting to trickle down and people are starting to get it. But, you know, having us being here on the ground, I mean, when I go home and, and speak to people and I, you know, Silicon Valley and London and Germany and Tel Aviv, like, I know they all have vibrant things, but just people don't, understand what's coming from china in my opinion just the scale the foundation the technology the investment like it is just it's it's coming to eat everybody's lunch and it's very very exciting i mean this is why i do this show right i love speaking to people like yourself and really getting a, a greater sense for what it's like and now that i've spoken with so many people i feel like i get a better and better sense of what's really going on here and i guess that's why some people tune in to try to enhance their own sense for what's going on but yeah, I can imagine for you it must be cool to go. You're from the Netherlands. Yeah,
1: I'm from the Netherlands. Yeah, so it must yeah. be
0: cool to go back to your home country, you know, with that story, and you kind of be introducing that to everybody, and having people go like, oh, "Really?" Like eyes wide and
1: hold. yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's very, it's it's very much a, a shift. And then if you look at the coming back to your question about the com- where the company will be at, so I think we're now. At a scaling phase, we're taking the company beyond China. Mm-hmm. China will still be a very important market for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for us, the key milestone now is to hit 10 million USD in revenues, mm-hmm. because once we're at 10 million, we get to 100. Um, that's what statistics tell you. Okay. Um, so that's that's the, the big milestone. We'll we'll get there soon. So uh-huh. it's it's something that is very exciting for us. Uh, from from. Um, um, from a fundraising perspective, um, we will, um, raise another big round after the summer. Mm-hmm. So that's also starting to, uh, um, yeah, to be You're realized to on that. Yeah, are you involved in that process. Heavily? Yes, I am. And, yeah. and we are, um, yeah, there, there is quite some interest to invest. Mm-hmm. It's always about for me and for us, it's not only about the money. Uh, but it's much, it's, yeah, world, it's much more about, can you basically strategic. help us accelerate yeah. this process and sure. get there faster than we can get alone? Otherwise yeah. it's just a nuance. Sure. So, um, or nuisance, um, nuisance. nuisance. nuisance yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah, so it's actually very <laughs> it's so hard work, in, so but very interesting. Two or
0: three years, more global, you know, more customers, more revenue, technology probably more able to deliver on the promise of, of what it's trying to do for companies and things like that and possibly even some other non hr applications
1: yeah we're looking well we're looking into we just had a discussion yesterday about the next big thing so um, next what, what, time what, next what time is, uh, next time, time when we talk thing? well <laughs> i'll keep that here for a moment Damn but uh, you'll be the first to know <laughs> but we are we are a company that always it's interesting to see because um, and I said that to the team yesterday. If you look at, it's interesting to be global now, at least, and also to have a foothold in Europe, because you will see different companies also acting in this space. And we've been the first mover, so I see it as an obligation for us to continuously innovate sure. and to be ahead of that game. So yeah. we are we're we're working on some really exciting stuff that will. Well, I can't wait to hear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On okay. The next,
1: next, next level. <laughs> okay,
0: it's three eighteen. How many more minutes do we have? Uh,
1: Twelve. I have to. Okay. Three thirty. Yeah.
0: So, short answers. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. And some of them don't necessarily lend themselves to short answers, but uh, what is the change you would most like to see in the world?
1: Equality. Okay.
0: Is there anything that you do every day that is non-negotiable? So you must do it. Maybe it's a morning routine. Maybe it's a, I don't know.
1: Have breakfast with my family. Beautiful.
0: How do you define yourself without talking about what you do? Pass is an acceptable answer also.
1: (laughs) (laughs) By looking at the people that surround me.
0: Right they kind of give you a reflection of...
1: Well, I think if you look at the people that surround me, it tells you something about me.
0: Absolutely. What part of you that you don't express, or that you may not express very often, would you like to express more, if any?
1: That I love my husband.
0: You like to express that more? <laughs> yeah, I should say
1: it more often. <laughs>
0: well, he'll listen to this and be very happy, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> it's it's interesting because it's... Uh, the, um, I'm often very critical towards uh, myself mm-hmm. and towards people around me. To, and and, and uh, you, you could say it negatively critical, you could say it positively. It's like pushing the limits right. of what's possible. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I might push that limit too far. Uh-huh. Um, because I always think there is no limit, but there are limits. Right. So um, it's
0: a tricky balance that I think all <laughs> entrepreneurs, especially that are really trying to innovate, have to walk that tightrope, right? You know, and there's multiple stories of different entrepreneurs that have done that. And, you know, I, I, I think you're in, you're in good company though, in in that kind of trying to strike that balance. Um, do you have a mantra or something you just generally tell yourself every day, like as, you know, for motivation or anything like that?
1: Not really. Um, I do have a habit of meditating every day. So, um, I told you that I was very sick last year. Mm -hmm. So one of the key things for me is really to, uh, find, um, a moment of reflection Mm -hmm. and sometimes to like my mind is often going wild with all kinds of crazy ideas. So for me, it's really important to have peace and actually don't have a mantra because that's i have that drive enough i think it's much more for me about you know and especially in an age where like your mobile phone is there all the time time. and sometimes people in my opinion sometimes we respond a bit too quick sometimes a little bit of thinking Mm -hmm. and reflection um, helps to form better opinion
0: absolutely what is your highest ambition for yourself
1: Well, to raise, I think I would be very happy that I raise my four kids in an environment where they're free mm-hmm. and free in, in many forms. Mm-hmm. So not only physically free, but free and spiritually that they can find their own path, mm-hmm. uh, that they do a lot of experiments yeah. um, and that they're happy to fail and learn from it. Mm-hmm. And to give them that environment that would... That would give me a lot of happiness.
0: If aliens landed on Earth and you were the first one to greet them, what would you show or explain to them first? They touch down, you're there, hi guys, what do you show or explain to them? Um, You know, to kind of give them a sense for Earth and humanity and that sort of thing.
1: Oh wow! Good question. Never thought about it.
0: Not <laughs> something we generally think about in day to day What
1: would I show them? Well, the first thought that comes to mind is to take them to the North Sea, which is in the Netherlands, and um, and show them just sit in the jun- in the dun- dunes in, the, yeah, in, the, in the, yeah, on the sand yeah. and just watch the sea. I don't know. I, I like this idea of endlessness of things that are
0: natural beauty rhythm. Is that kind of what you're getting? Yeah. At? Like, like, show, them? like show,
1: show them that. Um, that's maybe, that's my first thought.
0: <laughs> and just why would you show them that? Like you don't have to fully flesh it out, but like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Like why you'd show them that? What are you trying to kind of impress upon them?
1: Well, I think as humans, like we are here for just a little while, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the natural resources that make the earth, the earth. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we have to be very, I mean, we have to cherish them. Um, I think in a better way than we, we currently do. And by showing part of those resources, I think it shows something about what makes the earth very unique Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't know what life would look like at, at a different planet, but that's something at least what makes the Earth very unique. Okay.
0: You have one more day <laughs> to live. How do you spend it?
1: It's an interesting question, and um, a personal story is that my my dad died very young, and I always thought that you know when you know, and he knew because he was very sick. Mm -hmm. So it was something that he knew he would not survive on. I always thought that you would do crazy shit, right? That you would, you know, pack your bags and like travel the world and, and, you know, do all these, you know, create this strange, crazy bucket list and like try to. And what I realized when he became very sick and I was still a child is that actually you cherish, cherish your routine. Mm -hmm the things that make your life your life, mm-hmm. which is usually around your family, um, the people that you work with, mm-hmm. the people that are actually there on a daily basis that make the difference in your life. Yep. And so I, I, and we we often also talk about it here in this company because somehow a lot of our us lost one of our parents very young, mm-hmm. is that um, no matter where we take this company, no matter what we, you know, where we end up, mm. and we all hope that we change the world with this, but no matter what happens, let's enjoy the right mm. and enjoy the right together. Yeah. And that makes the whole difference.
0: Yeah. It's remarkable how many people answer in that way, because I think that question really makes you filter out, you know, if you've only got one day, you know, you, you don't want, you know, and you don't want to have this experience or that, like, because it, 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 it. I
1: do it, like to be a man for a minute. Though. <laughs>
0: It's not that kind of question. It's not a genie in a bottle. Um, but you know what I mean? It, it, it really makes you filter out the unimportant and focus on on what really gives you that feeling of happiness, contentment, fulfillment. And 99% of the time I ask that question, it's friends and family, right? Mm-hmm. Just spend time with them and that's it. Um, favorite quote, if you have one.
1: Don't ask what the country can do for you, but what you can do for the country.
0: And would you apply that to country or to well,
1: organization it, it, well, in general? Let's, yeah, I mean, that was, I think, Kennedy's quote, yeah. but I, um, I, I apply it to life. Right. I think it's about um, things can happen to you, um, and some things we don't choose to happen, mm-hmm. but they happen. It's, you always have a choice on how you deal with things and how you deal with people around you. And I think that's, um, and, and it's up to you how, how you deal with things. Yeah.
0: Um, um, to people who are unsatisfied with their current circumstance or, or position, uh, what kind of advice would you give them?
1: We'll do our test. because Kind of
0: goes back to what we were discussing earlier. <laughs>
1: And I, I think the, the interesting suggest to your
0: company <laughs> to start working with Seedlink, and then well, yeah,
1: work work be, work with us. <laughs> be
0: one of the initial people that go through the program.
1: <laughs> I I think that the best thing. Well, of course, I make a joke of it, but my my vision. Well, I'm serious. <laughs> my vision would be to, of course, try to help and and give you insights that you don't have today. But I think often when we look inside our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um. We know, we know certain things mm-hmm. and it's, and it's often, again, there's often, we have our own boundaries in our heads. So I think when I started my first, um, company, uh, before that I was working for a multinational company. Mm-hmm. And it was this golden cage. It became a golden cage because you have all the resources. Um, You know, at, at least it was also, um, you know, they wanted a lot of new women, female executives to the top. So I was in this really very, very nice position. Mm-hmm. And still there was something there that I thought, I need to experiment this. I need to do this. Yeah. And, But there was still also, you know, I know what I have, but I don't know what it will be. Yeah. And so I, I remember that um, my mom's uh, partner, uh, who is also a doctor, um, and he said to me, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. And that's often a question that you can ask yourself. Yeah. And once you have the answer to that, then you can act.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And <clears throat> one other thing that, you know, the more that I go through my own journey in life that I think more and more about, and I think probably I th- has more and more validity, is I, th- I think... Le- I don't think you get to choose. I think you just all you can do is interpret and try to follow that gain more clarity about interpreting the truth that's inside you. I don't know if you get to actually make the choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like
1: And don't you, regret. You may maybe. want
0: that golden, you know, cage yeah. job or whatever like on the surface. But really, that weird, funky feeling that you're feeling that makes you not like it is the is the real thing. And I don't know if you get to choose that. Anyways, one minute left. This is a word association, so I'm going to give you a word. You don't even think; you just say what comes to your mind. Okay? Okay. Terminator. Like. I don't the like the robot. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, perseverance. Discipline. Parent. Love. The unknown. Fantastic. Success.
1: Nice to have. AI. The new buzzword. Co-founder. Happiness.
0: Startup. Fun. Balance. Hard. Humans. Nice. <laughs> Amazing. High five, is 3.30, right on the button. <laughs> Um so Rina, thank you so much for the time today. I could keep you here for five more hours and we could talk about all sorts of different things. We'll do
1: things. that over a beer. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um before I let you go, is there anywhere you want to direct the audience? Um I don't know if you guys are looking for people to join the team or direct potential clients to a website or a social media or whatever anything like that.
1: Well, we're always I mean we're we're always very open to collaborate Mm -hmm. and so yes we're hiring a lot of new people so if you're interested to join a fast-growing crazy group of people um come and uh uh join us
0: all right guys thank you very much thank you again once again rina for joining me and uh we'll see you next time thank you Thanks for listening to the Tech in Shanghai podcast. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Tech in Shanghai for everything tech from Shanghai and China. See you next time.